We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Hey everybody, welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> okay. At this point, just keep going. <laughs> Dude, we have an intro. I know we have an intro. We do. Welcome to season two, episode three. Uh, I'm Kyle, and <laughs> he's Rodney. And we are and definitely we... here to shit up. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode three of how not to do a podcast. Actually, episode probably twenty-seven of not how how not to do a podcast. Right, right. I think we had, like, <clears throat> but like thirty episodes last season and twenty-four <clears throat> and three this season so far. There you go. Yeah. So, so that's how not to do. <laughs> Right. do it but right. uh, <laughs> just want to uh, let everybody know we're, we're having to do this uh via phone thank goodness for technology because uh rodney and i weren't able to get together to do this podcast so if it sounds a little funny that's why uh and um yeah, just let you guys know that uh, this actually is going to be an interesting podcast because we wanted to do this podcast last year, uh, but we just kind of ran out of ran out of time because uh, we were covering other topics that we really wanted to cover. Right? Yeah, we couldn't really fit it in, and we had we had talked about some of the subjects, uh, some of the subject matter um, in our other podcasts, and so it, it wasn't overly necessary to cover it as a standalone podcast um and that with that with us running out of time and then like i said us covering little bits of it here and there so we didn't but this past week um there have been some issues that we'll discuss later that made it really necessary to go ahead and cover now agreed yeah um i think it's there's a lot of misconceptions out there or our misunderstanding about about the topic of of land status uh here in New Mexico we have a bunch of different types of land and um and so we're just going to go through those and kind of talk about them individually and let you guys know what there is and and how and and just go through it just because we're about education, making sure people know what, what, what's going on and, and how to do things correctly. There you go. Hey, Gal, did, did squirrel, um, did you hear that? Uh, all I heard was a little scratchy, scratchy. Yeah, there you go. Because I found a straw. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) in squirrel. Not in squirrel because we now we got to explain this to people. So, in preparing for this podcast, we were trying to figure out the best way to to talk via phone. Whether we used to use the microphones on our on our phone or whether we use the um, the headphones that we have, and uh, via the headphones, I could hear very clearly Rodney drinking out of his Yeti cup. And so uh, that's what that's about. He got a straw, so so I couldn't hear him drinking anymore. He's <laughs> not squirrel. Not in drinking squirrel. during the podcast was not an option. <laughs> maybe that's why we jack him up so much. I <laughs> uh, maybe so. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk about uh, land status. You know, our different types of land: you know, federal lands, state lands, private lands, WMAs. All those types of things. Um, where are we going to start, Kyle? Um, well, I think the proclamation just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's just kind of follow along uh, with the way that they have it listed in the proclamation so people can kind of look there. We're going to give them a little bit more information, a little bit more rundown than that the proclamation actually gets into, uh, which is why this podcast can be valuable to people. Um, but, but yeah, let's just kind of follow along there. So it's a very logical order 
if if somebody's going to look in the proclamation, then they'll see that's what we're what we've been talking about. There you go. So we're going to start pretty much. If you want to grab your proclamation and listen in, follow along with us. We're going to be on page forty-two. We're start with federal lands, access to public lands. Um, different types of federal lands. You've got, you know, Forest Service uh, lands, um, national wildlife refuges, um, national parks, national monuments, national preserves, yeah. wilderness uh, lands. Yeah, all of that stuff. All kinds of different uh, cool so, stuff. When when they're talking about uh, federal lands, those are lands owned and or operated by the federal government. Correct. And uh, I guess probably the best place to start would be the most common type of of federal lands, which are the Forest Service and the BLM. Yeah, Forest Service and BLM lands. Mm-hmm. And so. And and many of you may be thinking, you know, well, why, why do we, why do why do we need to cover this? You know, those are public lands. You know, why do we need to c- cover it? Because there are some confusions between true public lands and some of these other properties that are owned by entities, but and allow hunting, but are not just open to the public. Correct. And that's why we're we're going to do this is is to to make you know make a clear case of that we need to start differentiating when we talk about public lands what we're actually talking about because uh, there are lands that are that people view as public they're not true public lands yeah. you can't go on there anytime you want to yeah. or, or stuff like that yeah and and. You know, and another thing that brought this to light, you know, we'll get into the state land discussion here in a little bit when we get down to that part. But in preparing for this podcast and in the past week with the state land debate that that we're going to get into later, um, I've learned things in the past week that I thought I knew, but I didn't. Um, And that's one of the things that we stress on here is education. Uh, You might think you know. And you might have been doing something for 20 years, but just because you've been doing it for 20 years doesn't make it legal. Well, you had a you had a an argument with a f- coworker about about it, didn't you? Um, uh, not no, no. I didn't have an argument with a coworker about. Oh, that's right. You had it yeah, was a different argument. Yeah, Anyways, but but we've had this yeah. discussion. I mean, you you've had this this discussion. I've had this discussion on social media trying to tell people this stuff and and oftentimes it's met with some you know disbelief or you don't know what you're talking about type of thing Mm -hmm. yeah so and it and it happens across the board like i said i learned something that i didn't that i thought i knew that i didn't now i wasn't 100 percent wrong but um but i didn't have all of the facts and so it's very important to don't just listen to us uh for sure because you know, we're not the lawmakers. Um, don't just read the proclamation because I'll, as I will illustrate here later, there's some inconsistencies in the proclamation. Talk to your game right. wardens. Um, uh, you know, do as much informa- research as you can because it's not all cut and dry. No, no, For it's sure. not. So starting with Forest Service lands, um, most the Forest Service lands are true public lands. These are, you know, uh, these are public lands that can be used by anybody at any time. For the most part, let me be very clear. For the most part, yeah, these are these are places that you can go any time of the year, and you can go target shoot. You can go um, if you know if it's a hunting season, you can go hunt. If it's not a hunting season and and you're hunting non game, you can go do that. If it's uh, you want to go camping, you can go do that without a permit, without a license, with you know, that, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm, you, if you're hunting game an, animals, obviously you're going to need a license, but you, it doesn't require you Forest service lands and BLM lands. We'll get into that. But, uh, most of those do not require you to have any kind of, um, permissions, 
to access those lands. Correct. And the best thing to do would be to always contact your local um, Department of Game and Fish representative to verify that the lands you are looking to utilize do not have any restrictions. Because like we said, most um, do, but not not all um, are just free to use whenever you want. Let's get into a little bit of the the history of the Forest Service. Um, So the Forest Service was established back in 1876 to assess the quality of the U.S. United States forests. Um, In 1881, it expanded into forestry. And then in 1891, the Forest Service Act passed, giving the president authority to designate the public lands um, into what what they called forest reserves. And then good old Teddy Roosevelt Roosevelt transferred it, um, transferred these forest reserves to the care of the Department of Agriculture, Department of Agriculture's new U.S. Forest Service. Um, so that's kind of how all that came to be. There's a hundred. Yeah, I mean that was that was kind of one of the big pushes. Uh, that's kind of why everybody kind of views Teddy Roosevelt as the the father of of modern conservation. Yes, uh, because because he did a lot of these things. He he had the vision to say to say we don't want to be like England where the lords and ladies rule all the lands and nobody can go kill the king's deer. We want a place where, where the everyday man can go enjoy the natural outdoors. Correct. Correct. Where it belongs to us. Correct. We, the people. Um, so there's five national forests and one grassland in New Mexico. Can you name them all, Kyle? Um, he, I, I believe so. <laughs> so the Carson national forest, the Santa Fe national forest, the Lincoln National Forest, the Cibola National Forest, the Gila National Forest, there you go. and the Kiowa National Grassland. Ding, ding, we have a winner. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't too sure about the Gila because I don't get down to that part of the state much, yes. but I'm pre- I was pretty sure that's uh, it was. I was wondering if you were going to come up with Cibola. That's the one I always forget. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I, I remember that one is because of a uh, recent TV show I watched. So there you go. <laughs> but yeah, those are the five in New Mexico. Um, across the nation, we have 154 national forests and 20 grasslands uh, in 43 states and Puerto Rico. So uh, that is a lot of public ground for people to go recreate on. It is. It is. And there's something like what is there? Um, Oh, dang it. I, I just had it right here. Oh, yeah, 9 million, just over 9 million acres of land, uh, Forest Service land in New Mexico. So quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, and that's that actually is going to tie into uh, a little bit later when we talk about state lands because there's, there's kind of a push right now to um, try and take those lands away from the federal government and give them to the state government. And anyways, we'll get into that, but how about no, uh, (laughs) I'm going to say no too, but for those forest service lands, most of those national forests are open to the public and specifically open to public hunting. Yeah. Um, There may be certain areas again, like Rodney said, get a hold of your local game warden, talk to the national forest headquarters, wherever you're at. Uh, but most of those are, are open. Uh, the only reason they would be closed would be due to some sort of seasonal closure. For yeah. example, you get into like the Vividal up here in Carson National Forest, and it's kind of a special special place. Uh, it has two seasonal closures. Uh, you, you can drive through it. There's a one road through it, so you can stay on the road, but you can't get off that road during those closures. But in the wintertime from December uh, sorry, from January 1st through March 31st, there, the west side, or take that back, sorry, the east side is closed. So from the Taos County line uh, to the Vermejo boundary, it's closed. You can't get off that. That's for wintering elk habitat. Yeah. And then there's a month in there where it's all open again, 
and then uh, Mar- uh, May first through through June thirtieth, the west side is closed, and that's for elk calving. Um, they close that so that the elk can calve without any, you know, disturbances. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, there's also, um, you know, some spot closures. Like I know up here in the Lincoln National Forest, there are several roads that close, that they close with the first snow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so there's access. That's for public safety type of things. Yeah. So, so keep that in mind. And then you also have, um, different types of forests, like you, the Gila National Forest. Inside the Gila National Forest is the Gila Wilderness. So the Gila Wilderness is going to have different rules and regulations on access and travel, and what you can and can't do inside the, that boundary. Um, Correct. You know, so no yeah. no motorized anything, pretty much in in the wildernesses. It's all um, walk in or ride in. No chainsaws or anything like that. No, no bicycles. You, yeah, no bicycles. Like that. You can't ride in. It's, it's, um, you know, definitely restricted. You know, and the Santa Fe forest has some of those restrictions as well. So again, get with your local uh, game department or local forest service to find out those different restrictions to the areas that you intend to go to. Yeah, now I'm going to warn you guys that if you go to the Forest Service website, the U.S. Forest Service websites, they are extremely difficult to navigate. Yes, I hate they those websites. I really, really hate them. But so, so the best bet is if you're going to do that, go to the Forest Service website, and basically what you're going to do is get the number of the local district or the closest district, ranger district to you and just call them because you're going to, you're going to drive yourself crazy trying to navigate their website. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's ridiculously hard to navigate. Yes, so. it is. I, I learned that today as I was fumbling around on there trying to find information. Um, yeah. It's a tough website to navigate because like you said, there's 150 something forests across the nation and you're trying to narrow it down and get information on one in a particular state. And it gets pretty tough. Correct. And they're not all managed the same. They're all managed separately. Correct. I mean, they're overseen by the by the Department of Agriculture, but they are all managed pretty much separately. Yes. So, you know, <clears throat> the Santa Fe Forest, due to drought, could be closed, but the Carson Forest could be open. So it's it's you just got to be <clears throat> aware aware of that. Yes. But yes. for the most part, those are really cool lands. You can go and you can do what you want. When you want, yeah. um, as long as it's there's not a you know restriction on it. Yeah. So that kind of covers our Forest Service lands. Yeah. Well, and grasslands. One one other side note on those, the you know anybody hunting in the Valley of Dahl, uh, typically the Greenwood area um, was open. And it is no longer included in the Valley of Dahl hunt areas. So, well, that's so. <laughs> that one's tricky. Uh, don't know if it's going to be included. As of right now, we still have an MOU. Uh, that Greenwood area w- belonged to Vermejo Park Ranch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and the New Mexico game, and for the longest time, it has been managed in conjunction with the Vividal. Uh The New Mexico Department of Game and Fish uh, recently redid the agreement with Vermejo Park Ranch as an open gate agreement. And we'll talk about those here in a little bit, but um, it re the Greenwood was actually recently sold by Vermeo park ranch to a new landowner. And we do not, I mean, we, we just don't know yet if that's going to continue. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what that is. But that, that MOU went through the end of, or through the end of the license year in 2019. So it's still in effect right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just until, yeah, until the 2019 2020 season starts. Uh, this year's proclamation is calling it as not included. So, I, and that, the, the reason for that is because this proclamation is for next year's yes. hunt or yes. the 2019 2020 hunt. Correct. All right. Do we cover everything we need to cover on forest service? Yes, sir. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's ask, let's ask you a couple of quick questions real quick, Kyle. Okay. Um, traveling on forest roads. Do you have any tips or information say for four wheelers? Um, most of the time, most of the time, if it's an open road, it's going to be marked as open with a, a marker. Um, most closed roads are going to have some sort of scarification or um, they will have, you know, they'll have dug a ditch and put up a berm or something like that. Um, the only thing, you know, it, barring those closed roads, which should be marked and, and Forest Service has done a travel plan to, to, and so you can get a map that says this road's closed, this road's open. Outside of that, if you're on Forest Service land, if you're, doesn't matter what road you're on, if you're on public ground, you got to have that, that uh, ATV registered. There you go. And what about recovering game? <clears throat> For the most part, again, check with your local game warden, check the local rules. But for the most part, unless there's some sort of habitat, uh, habitat protection area, such as the Vividal, uh, you can drive off-road to recover your game on the Forest Service lands. Uh, again, there are certain areas that have habitat protection, that are habitat protection areas, uh, so like in the Vividal, there's absolutely no driving off road, uh, for any purpose. Perfect. So BLM, BLM Bureau of land management, uh, which is run by the department of the interior. Yes. Established uh, in 1946 when President Truman combined the General Land Office, which was established in 1812, and the Grazing Service. <clears throat> now, these were lands that were used to encourage homesteading and westward migration. And that's um, interesting to me. Right. You know, because uh, we now look at them as public lands, but uh, back then it just kind of sounds like they were used to kind of set try and get people established in an area yep yep that's that's what that's what the blm website says <laughs> uh, <laughs> approximately 13 million acres of blm land in new mexico so uh, a fair bit more than the forest service land yep um and a few different rules but for the most part uh you know it's federally public land uh like the forest yeah, and so um, BLM New Mexico is kind of, uh, it's all kind of overseen and um, run with uh, places like Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas. And I imagine the reason for that is because there are a few, not very many acres in Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas, owned by by BLM, so they just kind of threw all of those in there. Yeah, with the many acres that New Mexico has. Um, so in in New Mexico, the, so we didn't really talk about the Forest Service uh, locations of Forest Service offices uh, up here in the north. I I can't talk about that because I I don't know exactly where all of them are, but I, yeah. I know for certain up here in the north we've got. There's a Forest Service office in uh, Bloomfield, New Mexico. There's a Forest office, Service office in Taos, New Mexico. There's a Forest Service office in, um, and I think, I can't remember where else there is for the Carson National. I know those are two, the two main ones. Yeah. For the Santa Fe National Forest, there's one in Las Vegas. Uh, there's one in Santa Fe. Uh, and then I know down there in the Lincoln, you've got one in Cloudcroft. Alamogordo uh, and one in Rideau, so. and one in Rideau, so. Yeah. so I'm sure in Silver City is the Gila National Forest yes. headquarters, uh, but uh, and there's probably also one for the Cibola National Forest in Albuquerque. For BLM, the offices here in New Mexico are in Santa Fe, in Albuquerque, in Farmington and Las Cruces, and then in Roswell. And so those are your main places where they have 
district offices uh, for BLM. Yeah, and we'll put all that. We'll we'll try and get as much of that information as we can um, in our show notes. Um, some some website links to the state land office, BLM office, Forest Service. Absolutely, all of that stuff. So absolutely. So back to BLM. Talking about BLM, um, you actually have quite a bit of it, more of it down the southern part of the state than I have up here in the northern part of the state. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot down here. You you tend to have a lot more private, a lot more state. Yeah, um, and we have a lot, uh, at least right here where I'm located, a lot of BLM. We have state too, um, but a lot of BLM and forest. And this is a lot like, you know, BLM is a lot like Forest Service where unless there's some sort of special restriction, you can just kind of go on it whenever you want to and do what you want. Now, that's a little bit of a double-edged sword because if if you remember, Rodney, when we went out uh, and had a range day with uh, Adrian and Emily, mm-hmm. we, went out to, we went out to the BLM uh, land out there east of Rio Rancho and what happens is people go out and they treat it like their own and they trash it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we went where, where we went shooting, there was so much trash. It was just ridiculous because people take crap out there to shoot and then they just leave it. Yes. Yeah. And it, it that, yeah. that part of it kind of sucks. Yeah. And there were shot up signs, you know, mm-hmm. signs that cost money, you know, and that's Pittman Robinson, Robertson money and stuff like that, that could be, you know, that we that we put into the pool and then people are just shooting it up and yeah, pretty annoying. So I think that's that's probably one of the I'm not gonna say drawbacks to public land because I'm a you know big fan of it. I can go do what I want, but people do treat it kind of crappy. I mean, we we try not to or not we try not we don't we treat it like our own because we try and treat our own place. Uh, pretty good where you get it all cleaned up and stuff. Yeah. So, well, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that boils down to education. You know, um, a lot of people are, are blissful in their ignorance. I've literally um, watched people leave their camp and left bags of trash in camp. Um, and when I confronted them, they said, Oh no, there'll be people by to come by and pick that up. Um, <laughs> no, no, there won't. No, there won't <laughs> go pick it up or it's going to be all over the dang forest. So, yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of people. Um, I won't mention any state names, but there's one state in particular that has very, very little public land that um, the patrons of that state, when they visit our state, don't know how to uh, take care of and maintain public land. Well, and oftentimes they're thinking about like state parks. You know, yeah, you go stay at a state park. Yeah, people pick up the trash there because mm-hmm. that's their job. But state or uh, federal lands, BLM and, and Forest Service, they don't do that. No, no, they don't. <clears throat> if you leave it there, it stays there unless someone else comes and picks it up. Now you do have some, you know, some <clears throat> private entities such as back hunt, backcountry hunters and anglers uh, who volunteer and go out and, and clean stuff up and, and thank goodness for them and thank goodness for for the good patrons who you know haul out even if it's not theirs they'll haul it out so yeah otherwise it would you know it'd be a complete mess but bottom line just don't leave your dead gum trash no pack it in pack it out <laughs> what else about BLM that's about it I mean, it's it's really pretty much um, you know, a lot, a lot along the lines of, of the Forest Service lands, you know, the, the rules for off-road vehicles um, are pretty much the same, are they not? Yeah, they're pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. Um, off-road driving, unless it's a specifically restricted area, uh, to pursue game, you can't drive off-road, to go retrieve game generally you can yeah there you go and that's public land so you got to have any uh, off-highway vehicles registered there you go um the next is military lands uh 
And the only piece of advice I got for that is call the military. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, it, you know, and people say, well, military lands, you know, I think most people know you can't go on military lands. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, there we do we do have the opportunity to hunt on military yes. lands. So down, a good example, good example of that is the Oryx hunts down there. On yes. The missile range down here, particularly um, in a unit. Uh, what, what is it? 29, 34 in, in this area. Um, yeah. We have McGregor range and we have the white sense missile range. Um, and there's uh, multiple hunt opportunities on both. Um and and the rules for that are are call them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> even you know, even because that even stuff changes the, daily. Yeah, and and even the official, the state officials, uh, like Game and Fish, who help with those hunts, uh, you know, they they're subject to the same. They get searched and all that crap. So yes, <clears throat> that you're gonna have to go through the military to to figure that out. Now, the one cool thing is. Uh, and probably a lot of people don't know this. And I think uh, uh, some of my buddies are probably going to be pissed off that I tell people this, but uh, you can actually go hunt non-game species on places like McGregor. Yes. Uh, they, ju- they just have some restrictions. You you can only hunt with shotguns and things like that. So again, call the military, call the, the, the people in control of those lands to get the specifics uh, on that. Cause we don't it, know them. <clears throat> We don't know that <laughs> coming back uh, to some other federal lands. There are national wildlife refuges and there are certain hunting opportunities within national wildlife refuges, but you have to contact those refuges specifically uh, in the, in the proclamation on page 42 is the number for those refuges. Uh, I know sp- specifically the Las Vegas national wildlife refuge um, has some goose hunting opportunities and things like that. And I know also that <clears throat> Game and Fish tries to work with those refuges to have some different hunting opportunities. I know they've had talks. I don't, I can't say whether or not these, anything's resulted from it, but uh, they've had talks about, you know, having youth deer hunts and things like that on the refuge. But the hunting opportunities on those specific U.S. Fish and Wildlife refuges are going to be, uh, you, you're going to have to contact those refuges for that information. Yeah. Yeah. Because that also changes yeah. kind of frequently. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> national. <laughs> no, let's not go to state land yet. Uh, national Parks and Monuments are for the for the most part uh close to hunting except for a couple of the blm managed uh national monuments such as the rio grande del norte national monument over by taos as well as the prehistoric trackways national monument and oregon mountains desert peaks national monument but those regulations and things like that are going to be again uh, those numbers will be in the proclamation yes all right, I think we've covered most all of the uh, federal lands. National parks are generally not open to hunting. As far as I know, there aren't any open to hunting. So that kind of covers that information. Um, <clears throat> you want to go to state land? State land? State okay. land, which... so. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably involved in hunting. And if you're involved in hunting, you probably know um, of the uh, executive order that was signed last week by our lovely new uh, state land commissioner uh, banning coyote coyote killing contests on state trust land. Um, This is where... (laughs) This is where, you know, I got into some discussions on social media, and this is where I was a little confused um, due to what the proclamation reads and due to uh, prior experiences, um, is what I'll say. Um, 
So before we, I guess before we get into that, let's kind of give a little bit of history on the state trust lands. Yeah, yeah. So this, the state, New Mexico state trust lands were lands that were designated for, you're, you'll, you'll often uh, hear them referred to as school sections. school sections. This was land that was given to the state by the federal government, I believe, um, to, and the, the purpose of it is to generate, well, back then it was, the purpose of it was to, uh, be able to put and 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 if you're, it's actually really cool if you've ever been antelope hunting up here in the northeast part of the state. You'll drive around and you'll see old schoolhouses, and that those schoolhouses were built on the school sections. Yes. In, in modern times, the the school, the state trust lands or school sections, um, they generally back in the day they were placed kind of in the center of a township and range so that everybody had a central place to go to school yeah. to. They, they, had, uh, they, had, they, uh, now... they had specific sections. So there, there were certain sections out of each township section or out of each township and range that were, that were donated. Um, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but there were, there were specific sections out of each township that were donated unless the state required, requested um, alternate sections. Um, due to location, um, right? But yeah, go onto the state land web website and it'll it'll explain which sections were typically chosen out of a township. Uh, to and be those donated. and those were donated. Those were established when we became a state in 1912. Yes. Um, now those have uh, those have now kind of <clears throat> evolved into those lands are leased out and support the essential public institutions. And primarily they, they support the public schools. Yes. Um, and so those lands are controlled by an elected official. That is the state land commissioner. And so that position comes up for election every four years. We just had it and it coincides with the, the gubernatorial uh, election. So we just had that and we have a brand new game commissioner. So without getting too crazy with my explanations here, everybody kind of talks about state land like it's public land. It It is not not true public land. No, you, um, these lands are, Owned by the state, get or they're owned by the state land. They're run by the state land office, and they are leased. So, for instance, the grazing rights are leased to ranchers, and the mineral and oil rights are leased to uh, different companies. Yeah. New Mexico Game and Fish purchases the lease for the hunting, fishing, and trapping rights on those of protected species on those state trust lands. So then that's why we say these are not true public lands because you cannot go onto state lands just any old time that you want. Correct. You have to have permission from the leasee. What that means is you either have to have permission from a grazing leasee to be on there, and that's written permission, or you have to have written permission from the holder of a business lease, which would be the oil and gas rights, or you have to have a recreational permit from the state, tr- the state land office itself, or if you are hunting, because the Game and Fish has purchased the hunting fishing and trapping rights then you if you are on the state land during an open season with a valid license that is considered you have permission to be there because you have purchased the license correct is that clear enough <laughs> it is it is and that's where so that's where i got into the discussion on social media <clears throat> Where and I, I still I still stand behind my statement statement. It's not public land. Yes, we have an easement for it 
but no, it is not legal for us to just go hunt it, like you said. No. Um, now we do have some some benefits that that I was not completely aware of. So it was always my understanding that you could hunt state land if you had a deer license. You could go hunt deer on there, um, and if you had a quail license. You could go hunt quail. And if you saw a coyote, you could shoot a coyote. I was not aware that you could go hunt coyotes during quail season under the guise of just going and hunting coyotes. Um, again, I thought you could shoot a coyote if you were there hunting quail. Um, but one of the reasons for that is if you look at the proclamation on page 45, it states that uh, the game commission has purchased a lease for hunting, fishing, and trapping of protected species. Correct. Now, down below, it says that you were, are allowed to hunt or trap unprotected species. But then also, on page 46, it states, persons seeking to use state trust land for uses other than the taking of protected species must secure the specific approval of the state land office. So again, that's where it gets very confusing because it states right there, if you're planning to use it for anything other than the hunting of protected species, you have to get approval. So that was my thought. But if you read the actual easement, the actual easement. Sorry, the lease, the, not the easement, the lease. Let's call it easement. Okay. It's called it's called an e a lease of easement. Um, they, if you read the actual easement, it states that you have the right to hunt or trap unprotected species. So, again, very confusing. Um, some inconsistencies there. So, but having stated all that, if you have a fur bearer's license, raccoon is year round pretty much yeah it's from april 1st 2019 to march 1st 2020 yeah so there is a valid open season to hunt all year long but i will challenge all of those who are arguing with me to prove to me <laughs> that you had a trapper's license and you were hunting coyotes on state land because money is most of you didn't so you probably had a quail license but, you know, um, make sure you have the proper license that will allow you to hunt coyotes on state land. Even though you can't do it in a contest form, uh, make sure you have the proper license. You're going to have to buy a fur bearer's license um, if you're going to be outside of any other regular seasons. Right. And now the other thing is like uh, a cougar license. As long as the cougar zone doesn't close, and there's very few that actually close every year. I think there's maybe three or four that have closed this year. For the most part, if you're if you've got a cougar tag in your pocket, <clears throat> those 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 seasons last pretty much year round. And so, same thing. Um, you could you could uh, reasonably be out on state trust land. Correct. Uh, because it's an open season. Uh, Barbary sheep, technically. <laughs> uh, are you, are you going to get away with that? Uh, I, mean, that's I guess a, that's technically a, it's a statewide tag. Technically, it's a statewide tag. Yeah. See, that's uh, what I, that, and that's, this is where I get frustrated. And, and, and let me, and let me, and let me tell you, and let me tell you this. Um, I, I, you know, there may be somebody who might say, well, there's no Barbary sheep in this, in this area while you're out here. Mm -hmm. I don't think they can make those distinctions because, uh, you know, there's been Barbary sheep, uh, killed down there by Las Vegas, New Mexico. There's sure. been Barbary sheep killed up near Raton, New Mexico. There's been Barbary sheep seen over near Clayton, New Mexico. So who's to say that there are actually, you know, where, where the Barbary sheep are. I'm, sure. I'm not telling anybody to do anything. But well, I'm just saying, <laughs> um, <laughs> off the Florida's IBEX tags, statewide permit. I'm just saying, <laughs> it's a, if it's a statewide permit yeah. and it's an open season, you are technically allowed to be on state trust lands. Yes. 
Now, let me. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and figure out how to. Maybe I shouldn't even get into it. The the coyote stuff. I wouldn't. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Now, okay. So here's what I'll say then. Uh, There, there, there's some really interesting things about that ban on coyote calling contests on state land. If you have questions about it, send us a comment, send us a, an email. Uh, I, I will try as best as I can to explain it to you. Uh, I think I'll get into too much here on the podcast. Uh, but if you have specific questions about it, uh, give us a shout. We, we will talk to you about it. Yeah. Uh, what I will say about it is um, – there is nothing criminal about killing coyotes. So how she can ban that, I'm not terribly sure. And that's all I'll say about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'll follow it up. With, I don't like it. Um, again, like we said, state trust land is not public land. Um, so, so restrictions on what we can and can't do on it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <clears throat> now, will it make it easier for them? You know, you give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Will it make it easier for them to ban coyote calling contests across the state? I don't know. I, I can't argue one way or another, but that's the fight that I want to gear up for. Not, that's the fight that's coming. Not the one across, the, you know, across the state land. Um, you know, hey. You know, and you, you can even ask the question, you know, if we fight too hard, how, how long is it going to be before they say, well, you know, fine, you, we're not going to renew your lease after 2020 and you're off, off state land, period. Yeah. You know, um, we'll have the state same commissioner come 2020. So there's no guarantees that she'll renew that lease. Uh, it, to, I, I, and I'm not saying don't fight. I'm just saying the one that I'm concerned about is when they try and do it across the state, which is coming. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's the one. It's already, been, it's already been pre-filed. Yeah. 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 It has. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So have we covered state trust lands well enough? Yeah. The, the only thing <clears throat> with state land, like we talked about with BLM and forest service, yeah, you're allowed to go off of the roads to retrieve game. You cannot yes. do that on state lands. Not unless you have permission from yeah. the lease, the grazing leasey. Correct. And then um, one thing that seems to come up, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing that, thing that seems to come up quite often with state land, um, a lot more than Forest Service or BLM, just because of the way the state land sections are laid out, mm-hmm. is corner crossing. <laughs> you yeah. want me to get into that? Yeah. <laughs> it's All right, I'm gonna, I'm going to give you a very technical answer that's probably going to leave most of you scratching your head. Right? Right. So, um let me to do that uh let me go to the criminal trespass statute in New Mexico law. 30 uh NMSA 30-14-1. It says criminal trespass consists of knowingly entering or remaining upon posted property, private property without possessing written permission from the owner or person in control of the land. Um, and so having said that, we have pretty good technology now, uh, but most GPSs still are only accurate down to within about three meters. Mm-hmm. Think about think about a yard or or, or three, three feet. feet. So, criminal trespass involves you actually being stepping foot on the land, and so if you've got private, you know, you you got state land that comes to a corner, you're going to have private land that comes to a corner. Well, it comes to an infinite point. There, there's not a finite point that it comes to it. The point is infinite in, in con- concept, if you, if you know what I'm saying. Sure. So technically, could you step from one piece of state land 
to the other without trespassing, yes, technically you could do that. However, the problem is um, knowingly. You're you're not. It's knowingly. You're not. Who know? The technology is not good enough to say for certain. Yes, where I'm standing now and where I'm stepping is state land. Additionally to that, there is certain case law and certain civil law stating that the air above the ground. Now, granted, talk. Just stay with me here. This is civil, not criminal law. But there is certain civil law out there stating that the, the air that above the ground is owned by the person. And so technically, whenever there's no way that you can get thin enough to cross that corner and you wouldn't be violating that civil airspace. Now, that's going to require somebody catching you, somebody uh, and somebody filing a civil suit against you. Um, so, again, Without a real definite answer, um, <laughs> the suggestion is not to do it just because um, you don't definitely know exactly where you are. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people who say, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to do it. So, yeah, that that that's the the long and the short of it. It's it's a very complicated and uh highly debated issue yeah yeah it is it's, it's not just new mexico it's nationwide um yeah it's it's it, it's a ridiculous topic to be arguing about it's one of those deals where i you know there's some stupid thing that hunters do that um frustrates me because i'm like you know if private landowners didn't have to deal with that stupid stuff, then we probably wouldn't have to deal with the stupid issue of corner crossing. <laughs> um, you know, very possible. So, yeah. So that's kind of where I rest on that. But not that I'm advocating to not corner cross. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it's an extremely stupid issue in my point. Yeah. Um, just, just my opinion. It's stupid that we would even have to argue over something like that. Yeah. Um, one other thing about state land um, scouting, um, unless you have another license that permits you to be there, uh, you can only scout seven days prior to uh, your hunt. Correct. Um, and there's no camping unless it's a designated camping area. For instance, uh, Unit 48 up there, there are specific designated camping areas that the state land office has allowed the game department to use correct um or if you get permission from the grazing leasee or another leasee then you can camp if they allow you to there you go otherwise it's not it's not like forest service or blm or where you can camp wherever you want to you just can't do it correct it's state leased land just remember that it's leased it's not public true public land now again this is where it gets confusing it is considered public land as far as OHVs are concerned, so you do have to have registration. Yes. All right. That pretty much covers state land. That is, that is it. So the other thing, uh, a couple of other state land designations, uh, the Mexico State Parks, uh, they are close to hunting unless specifically open in a designated area. I can give you a couple of examples. Um, the, well, you can't hunt in the state park of Cimarron Canyon, but uh, they, they're kind of relaxed on their rules of, of allowing farms and things like that because people camp there and hunt in the Colin Neblet. Uh, there is hunting in the Sugar Reach State Park, so you would have to talk to the State Parks Division about those specific open areas. Yes. Um, a few of the other we'll just touch on uh, are going to be State Game Commission lands. Uh, these are wildlife management areas. Um, these are not true public lands either. These are owned by the State Game Commission, and you can only be there with certain restrictions. Uh, you have to have some sort of hunting, fishing, or trapping license to be there. 
there are seasonal closures. So go to the Game and Fish website to get the full information on each specific wildlife management area because each of them is a little bit different. Um, the nice thing about the wildlife management areas is if you do hold a license for a wildlife management area, um, scouting, you can scout uh, seven days prior to the hunt. Yes. And you can have up to three guests. So not everybody has to have a, a hunting license to be there. Yeah. Now, last year. Versus, versus state land where you do. Yeah. <laughs> so last year we had uh, elk tag on uh, wildlife management area. Um, the colon tablet, and we we circumvented this system, kind of. We went grouse hunting. We didn't circumvent it. We just well, we, did what we did. Yeah, we went grouse grouse hunting and looked for some elk while we were out there. Yep. Um, you know, perfectly legal. Nothing nothing wrong with it. Um, and they used to have in, just just getting into the proclamation a little bit. They used to have a list of all the dates, the times that you could go do upland game hunting um that's not part of this proclamation now so uh, the wildlife management area open dates you're not going to find them in this proclamation um hopefully they'll be in the small game proclamation but um but there are some some rules on upland game hunting on wildlife management areas as to specific dates that you can and can't go in there um and hopefully that'll be in the other proclamation. Yeah. All right. Um, and I think we just wanted to touch on private land and just, you, uh, you need to know that you can't cross private land to get to state land or any other public land, uh, unless without written permission from the landowner or the person in control of the land. Um, just because you can access state lease land from access points that are on public roads, so county road, uh, state road, or a highway, uh, just because there's a road that goes across private to get to state land doesn't mean that you can use it. It has to be a public road. It, yes. has, to be a, it has to be a public road such as a county road. Two tracks, ranch roads, those don't count. No, they do not. So please don't be dumb and say, oh, I didn't know, and, and go across. And just to, to revisit the trespass issue, um, knowingly entering upon or remaining upon posted private property is illegal. It's a misdemeanor. Um, there's basically a couple of ways that you can do it. If, if, the, if the property is legally posted, they can charge you whether you knew or not. You should have known. They they posted at every instance of the property. If someone tells you you are trespassing, get off, and you remain or you return, you are trespassing. And then finally, uh, if this, those things happen while you are on lands owned or operated or controlled by the state or any of its public uh, political subdivisions, then you are trespassing. So you can be trespassed on state lease land. There you go. All right. What else we got? Open gate. We don't have much time, but um, the open gate program, which is a good program that the Department of Game and Fish uh, uses to allow us access to some private lands. Um, on page 49 of your proclamation, uh, it's a voluntary access uh, program. Um, that landowners have entered into an agreement with the Department of Game and Fish um, to allow us outdoorsmen to use. Um, where where can we find out about where we can get access? Uh, you'll go to the department website, New Mexico Game and Fish website, and it will be under the Open Gates uh, program, and and that'll have specific. Uh, properties and what is allowed. That's the biggest part about open gate. It's yeah. not just a free for all. They sign up. They sign up their properties for specific yeah. uh, hunts. And a lot of them, things. A lot of them are just access. small game. Uh, yeah, maybe just a lot of them are just allowing you to cross to get to public land. Correct. So make sure you investigate that and find out what is what. So 
and abide by it. Um, these guys are good enough to let us use it. Let's not abuse it. Absolutely. That's all we got. Guys, thanks for joining us. Adios. Adios. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.